whoever and wherever you are. You're listening to We Hate Small Talk with Cindy and Iman. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of We Hate Small Talk. Today, we are diving into something a little more serious. Right now, while we're recording this episode, it is almost the end of tax season. So we thought it would be a perfect time to do an episode all about how we manage our money. And as you can tell by the title of this episode, why we hate negative cash flows and what we do to try and best avoid that in our life. Yeah, so today we're going to be really asking Yimen to share her expertise on how she manages her net worth and saves up for that house. And I think I have a lot of poor habits that I I almost want Yimen to give me some advice on. Yeah, that's interesting because I feel like when we live together, I like we never really talk too extensively about how we manage our money. And um, before you told me that you didn't really manage your money, <laughs> I did. I wouldn't have expected that from you. Like you seem like someone who knows what you're doing. You seem confident, and I just always expected that you would just know how to do all of that, especially because we've been working and all of that. So I was very surprised to hear today when you were telling me before this recording that you didn't know as much as I thought you did. Yeah, exactly. Yimin was absolutely appalled that I don't manage my money. And I think this is a really interesting episode because I personally think that, you know, money habits and financial literacy in general is really built on top of the foundation of what your parents have done or have taught you throughout your life. I guess to start then, we can talk about at what age we were actually aware of this concept of money, um, as well as maybe our first interactions with it. So for me, I think in an Asian household, my first concept of money was getting the red pocket money from Chinese New Year's. And that was the first time I realized, oh, this paper is a thing that you can exchange for goods. And I remember in kindergarten, one of the exercises we had to do, and I remember this really clearly, is that our teacher told our parents to give us all like a $10 bill and we would go to the supermarket or like the tiny little grocery place to purchase something. And it was kind of to reinforce the idea of like, with this paper thing, you can buy things that you like. So I think my initial view of it was always, money is a way for me to get things that I like, But I never understood how big this concept was because, you know, with Asian parents, they would take your red pocket money and be like, let me keep it for you. Like, let me let me store it until you get older. So I never realized like my money was like such an important thing. But I kind of was just aware of it at a very minor level. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. And I love how you brought up the red pocket example, because I like kind of forgot that we even got those and I think the, getting the red pocket every single year played a huge role in helping us like manage money because the first question that you have after getting it is like, okay, what do I do with this? <laughs> and it's also interesting that you said that they would take it and store it away mm. for you because my parents actually never did that. They would give me the cash and then I would just store it. I remember I had like this drawer um, on my desk and I would just put all my red envelopes and like cash in that drawer. (laughs) And then one day I was like asking my parents how I can, like the concept of a bank, 
and how I can open an account to store all my red pocket money because I didn't want it to be just sitting around and like this was also brought up by my parents like my mom I remember her saying to me like you should really consider opening an account in a bank so that you can put all this money because if someone robs us (laughs) then they're gonna take all of your cash so you want to put it in a safe place so I remember opening a bank account really early like I want to say I was 11 or 12 years old just to store all of my red pocket money and you mentioned that parents play a big role in how you manage your money now and I think that one thing my mom had always emphasized to me growing up and I remember her saying this is you need to be independent Mm. independence was a trait that she instilled and grilled and (laughs) drilled into me Uh, some of those words didn't make sense but I definitely think she said those things because she wasn't that independent herself Mm. like I think because she wasn't super independent with money and she wasn't super knowledgeable on how to best store or invest or save money she wanted something more for me and that's why she always told me you need to educate yourself you need to be independent and although she couldn't do the educating to me she always encouraged me to like seek out those resources or like learn more because she was like I can't help you in this department like both my dad and me like we don't know about this so you need to know about Mm, it okay see this is where my parents goofed because they took all of my red pocket money and so I had no concept of (laughs) doing that the difference is also that my mom was very intuitive with money and she she worked in commerce like she dealt a lot with things like this so she was like um the person holding the purse strings in our family (laughs) and so she would take care of everything and like you i didn't open a bank account until it was very late like i didn't even understand the concept of a bank until probably when I was like in middle school like that that was how late that concept came from me and just yeah never dealing with money on a regular basis really screws you up and like I am exhibit a because now I find that it is very like a lot of the things that I wasn't taught when I was younger has come to bite me in the ass I feel like Mm -hmm. that's interesting and I feel like we both immigrated to Canada not super early like I came to Canada when I was five another aspect that contributed to me being more frugal with money is being along the journey of seeing my parents have to manage on their own in a new foreign country and knowing that money wasn't free-flowing. I knew that there was definitely budget set and limits and I think that I also wanted to save as much money as I could so like I wouldn't burden my parents with money. Yeah, see, I wish I was a good child like that, but I wasn't. (laughs) I had no idea. And like, I think, I think something that my mom actually told me was that regardless of how difficult they had it in the first couple of years, she made sure that I never felt like I was different from any of the kids in my class. Like if there were school field trips, if there were pizza days, like no matter how tight money was, even though I feel like it still wasn't that tight. Like I I don't think we ever like had serious issues with money. She would always make sure that I participated in everything. And I think that kind of sense of reassurance and like stability has really made me not see money as such a like a huge thing to worry about. And maybe 
we can share more than about what our personal philosophies are when it comes to money and what we think of it in general because I think we've already mentioned some of our parents' influences on that aspect of things. When it comes to money, I think I definitely see it as a tool to achieve certain objectives. I think that money was created in our society so that we could exchange things more easily and get the things that we wanted more easily. Um, And I definitely see it that way. But I think growing up, my parents and I also um, had my grandma who raised me for um, a couple years when I was younger, they had always taught me to work hard when I was young so that I could profit off of what I worked for when I'm older. So I think that this ties into like working hard in school so that you can get a good job, working hard in your 20s so that you can profit off of what you're making when you're older. And Although I don't necessarily believe in this 100% because I think that you should be happy and enjoying your life like in all of your years, not just looking towards the future. I do think that when it comes to money, I save a lot and I, I think about my savings a lot and how I can grow my savings because I'm always thinking towards how my savings will help me in, in my future in achieving the goals that I want, whether it's buying a house or buying a car or going on a vacation like I think that although I do see money as achieving some sort of objective or goal I see those goals being future oriented and I don't mind sacrificing short-term happiness for longer-term happiness Mm, okay see this is I've realize this is the key difference between our mentalities regarding money because I too see that money is like a tool but I see it as like a means to an end like in the end is just happiness like I think money is there to work for us and it's just a way for us to achieve whatever happiness we want whether it be like I want to buy a cheesecake or like oh I I saw this purse that I really like and that happiness is worth a lot more to me than like that money so I'm like super present oriented when it comes to money like I will maybe like use my savings to buy something that I think at this moment is really important like for example I'll purchase a vacation for my mom and I because I think that's way more important than like the interest or the investment that this like money was going to make in the future because I think living in the present is more worthwhile and having that happiness right now um but maybe the sense of like spending oriented kind of thought came because like my mom has always been very open-handed when it comes to money because i think in her business commerce oriented sense she she always believes that money makes money and you should never be afraid of spending money because the only way you'll be i guess more likely to want to earn money or like to be able to earn greater amounts of money is that if you spend first and so it's kind of I wouldn't say faulty but like it's kind of created a sense for me that like oh I can always just earn it later on rather than having that continuous you know build up of like your nest egg which technically you should do like that's that's the (laughs) wise thing to do but I agree with her I think like money is not saved it's made so I choose to prioritize finding or figuring out new ways to make money versus like saving money Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I honestly do believe in your philosophy as well, and I agree. I I like the part where you said like um, treating other people, um, buying your mom a vacation, all of that. I think that when it comes to other people, I've always been taught and I do believe that you should be generous with your Mm -hmm. money. And I think that that also has greater returns because if you're generous with your money, people will see that and it's just like the right thing to do. Yeah. 
I think that that morally is the right thing to do, but I don't think that when it comes to myself, I think the same way. Oh. <laughs> like, I think that when it comes to me personally spending money on only myself, I really think about if this is going to be a worth it purchase. I was talking to you earlier before we were recording and saying how I have a monthly budget every month of what I can spend on things that will only give me temporary happiness, like <laughs> Uber Eats and like food purchases essentially like not groceries but like your average drink or fast food purchase and I allocate only a hundred dollars a month to that because I know that it's not going to make me happy in the long run and it's not really a valuable purchase for me and I think the same applies with buying myself clothes or jewelry or a bag or something that would make me happy temporarily but I think like I was telling you before like spending money also gives me anxiety which I don't know if that's really (laughs) bad and cause for therapy but I think that living with my grandma when I was younger like she was an extremely frugal person and she would always say like if you can make it yourself or if you can find another way to like get it then why would you spend money on it like she would always make everything um, if she could like our clothes our slippers she would always make food homemade she would never want to buy it and even though I don't completely agree with that I feel like some of that has been instilled in me because it's like if I don't need it then why would I buy it so I think that comes with a lot of purchases for myself because I feel like I already have so much that like I don't really need anymore yeah definitely I think like especially probably during this quarantine like a lot of people are seeing what they have in their homes and reflecting whether like materialistic or consumerism desires are actually like necessary and you realize like a lot of money you're spending you know prior to quarantine really wasn't well spent um and you actually don't need much to live on but I think for me um this is interesting because a lot of friends have told me this I am very hard to shop for or to get presents for because I'm the type of person if I see something I like and I think it's a pretty good price or I think it can buy bring me a lot of happiness I just buy it like I don't have second thoughts about things like that and I treat myself very well um just like I treat others well and so I think it's like that type of mentality that's been lasting because my mom has said for girls you need to raise them with a lot of wealth so they don't get distracted by that when they're growing up and they know how to treat themselves well and like yeah, maybe I treat myself too well now that I think back on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny because my mom has said the exact same thing to me. Um, like the Chinese saying where you have to raise girls with like a lot of wealth so that they mm-hmm. don't get blindsided when they see it like in a man when they're older. Yeah, And then with guys, you should treat them like you should make sure that they know how to work for mm-hmm. their wealth because exactly. <laughs> you don't want them to be too reliant on on like their parents or whatever when they're older and you want them to actually know how to do things themselves which is a very old way of thinking but honestly I agree with it (laughs) yeah long live the double standard eh (laughs) (laughs) yeah like I I don't know like I feel like a lot of Chinese sayings have a lot of merit to it because maybe it was because we both grew up as only children so we were raised with a lot of wealth and attention (laughs) because who else were our parents gonna give it to and (laughs) so yeah like I definitely think that now 
I'm not blindsided by wealth. Like I, I look more to like who a person really is. But having said that, I am still pretty frugal with my money. Yeah, this is really weird because see, we we have a lot of like similar upbringings and like things that were told to us, but still, Yumin is more smart with her money versus me. And I think the only sense of like, maybe the only good habit I have is that I, I have something called a fuck you fund. So this is an idea that I have had for a very long time and it stems from your idea of independence. And this is something that went around on the um, internet a couple of years ago. I think I saw some people talking about this. And interestingly, mainly female influencers who kind of started this idea of this fund where you can pack up from any sort of situation and immediately say, fuck you, I'm out. And this is almost kind of like the concept of an emergency fund where if you weren't happy with where you were working or, you know, if your significant other, you know, wasn't contributing or whatever, like this is almost a way for you to regain that independence. And so this is, I think, the only thing that I've kept up, like in an emergency like slush fund. And yeah, like I think this is super important for especially, I would say like millennials and younger people because you have a lot of instability in your life and sometimes you're forced to make decisions that you don't want to simply because like oh shit like I have bills to pay or like you know maybe I'm splitting the rent with someone but this kind of allows you to bring a little of that independence back I really love that I think that everyone should have a fuck you fund and (laughs) (laughs) I would agree I have something like that too um it's just called the money in my savings account (laughs) And something that we learned in wealth management, which is a course that I took in fourth year of university, is you should always have enough money in your savings for three months of emergencies. Like if something really bad happens to you, then you should have enough money to cover three months of any expense, whether it's rent, food, anything. So calculate that, do the math. It's probably going to be a couple thousand to over ten thousand dollars. You should have that amount in your savings account so that you're ready for anything and it's easily accessible. And I think that that's like something that's really important. But I also think what's really important is having goals that you should be saving towards. And something that I had started doing like last year was really thinking about what are my like two or three, even like one massive money goal that I want to be saving towards. And it helps me like make decisions with my money better because I always ask myself this question and Cindy always makes fun of me, but I always ask myself like, would I rather have this money go towards saving for this goal or would I have it be spent on what I'm thinking about spending it on? And if the answer is like, no, it's not worth it. I'd rather have it be spent on saving towards the goal, then I will just not spend that money. Yeah. So we can just replace the words, the goal with a house. Hey, houses are very expensive in Canada. You can never start saving too early. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think like this kind of leads us to the next part, which is like a little bit more of the nitty gritty and kind of figuring out exactly what techniques our um, financial literacy god, Yimin, will share with us. I think I kind of want to know in more detail about how you organize your like spend, save, and investment portfolios. That is so funny. I am not a god of anything. <laughs> so when she said that, I was like literally cringing. But um, 
yeah like I think that the most important thing is to figure out what tools you have available to you so I think this depends largely on the country that you live in but here in Canada um, we have TFSAs, RSPs, um, RESPs if you have children but I don't think anyone listening to this podcast does except for my mom. (laughs) Shout out to your mom. Yeah, shout out to our moms and dads. But I think like the biggest tools that I will use for my money is the most obvious, your checking and savings account from your bank. And then for me, a TFSA and an RRSP. And then if your employer offers it, um, if you're lucky enough, then also a pension. So I think that these main tools, like now that you're aware that you, you the government offers you this, you can out- decide what percentage of your earnings or what percentage of your um, money that you currently have, you can decide how much to allocate to each each tool, each account. So for me, what I first did to find this allocation amount is I wanted to know how much I can contribute to my TFSA. And for those who don't know, a TFSA is a tax-free savings account. So any interest that you earn in this account is not taxed by the government. It is taxed once you take it out and you can probably like Google it because I am not equipped to explain how the tax works, but essentially like tax on interest is a lot in Canada. So if you can earn tax or earn interest without getting taxed, it's really a good deal. And because the government gives you a contribution amount of like 5000 to 6000 every single year, ever since you're 18, if you've never contributed, you probably have like a good amount. If you're our age, like 22, 23, you probably have at least like 25000 to $30,000 of contribution amount that you can contribute. So that's the first thing. Um, Cindy, am I boring you yet? No, I'm just thinking like, where was this when we were in high school or even in university? Like, why? did we learn other stuff versus you know real life (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think that something that did help me was taking a financial literacy course in grade 12 and that like helped me a lot with like looking into TFSAs and RSPs as like a tool for myself I think RSPs are not helpful until you're earning income because whatever you put into your RSP you can deduct it from your annual income amount and that really helps with um, when you're filing your taxes and you have to state your annual income because the more you make the more tax you'll get charged so I think that is really helpful when you start working and you're at a job. But if you're not, then it, like you don't really need to prioritize looking into it. And then for me, I feel like I'm really lazy when it comes to investing my money. So I just use Wealth Simple, and I've been using it for like two years. My returns have been really good, so I'm like very happy with it. And what I first initially did to like do my research on what robo investing tool I should even be using. So for those of you who don't know, I feel like um, this is such a confusing episode for people if you don't like <laughs> read on this stuff. But while simple um, is just like a robo investing tool, there's other ones like Quest Trade on the market for Canadians. And I just do my research on like uh, what they post on their website to be like the annual returns that they give their users. And then depending on that, you can choose what company you want to go with. And I just put all of my money in my TFSA with Wealthsimple and it just automatically invests. And then um, you just pay a 0.5% management fee, which is, in my opinion, very low for the returns that you get. Mm, Okay, interesting. I have looked into Wealthsimple and I have used it, but I think maybe 
I don't know if I'm risk adverse or like too old, but you know, I'd just rather just have my money laying there not making money, which is like the stupidest thing to do. But yeah, now that we were talking, like I'm thinking back to like what I did with my money because truth to be told, I've worked a lot since like starting university, right? And I was telling Yimin that literally for my first job, I worked in a startup in um, China and I spent every single penny that I made and I lived such a good life for a couple of months because I would just do whatever I wanted, buy whatever I wanted. And thinking back, I'm questioning whether was that happiness worth it? But I don't think I would have done it differently. <laughs> I I think like it's okay to do that when you're in university because you only truly live once. <laughs> but I think that when it comes to like when you enter the real world and you're like preparing to <laughs> not live at home anymore, you kind of have to think about what you're going to do with your money and that's when it all settles in. But yeah, I think that's totally okay for first year you to be doing that. Um yeah, and second year and third year. Hmm. And now we're here. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think see unless there is a fire underneath my ass about like being more aware of my money, I'm just like reluctant to do so for some strange reason because I feel like maybe it's because my parents have already always handled my finances and made sure like I had everything I needed now like when I'm still living at home especially because of the pandemic and not really making any big purchases and not having any incoming cash flows (laughs) it's kind of you know, not that serious, but I I feel like once I do enter the workforce, which is the countdown is starting, (laughs) I'm going to have to start figuring this out. I think that a lot of it stems from how unknown the whole like money market is to the regular person. Like I remember when I first invested in like my GIC in when I was like 14 years old, I was like, oh my God, what is this? Why am I putting away a large sum of money for it to like earn some like magical source of interest <laughs> and for me to get it back in like three years you know like I like I feel like it's such an obscure world for the regular person and it never gets taught to us so it's so scary to just start I remember when I first put in my money into wealth simple I was like so scared to do it like I, it took me months to even just put in like my first hundred dollars because I was like so unsure of how it was gonna go and it's so foreign just like the entire concept of investing your money into arbitrary intangible things that will make you more money like I think that this whole world doesn't like we don't get educated about this whole world enough and that's why not enough people know how to properly manage it and even me like I feel like the only reason why I know like the basics the very basics is because I went to business school and I'm actually interested in learning about it so I like will take my own free time to like watch YouTube videos about it but it's it's not something that comes easy I think it's like so complex so like even I have trouble understanding a lot of it so I just want to say I feel you like I definitely feel you (laughs) yeah I feel like there's always this like shroud of like prestige and mystery for like a lot of financial institutions and I think as a business student you're kind of expected to know at least what the heck happened like in the 08 
economic meltdown or like you know the 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 logical things that you know why did this happen and that's on a very macro level scale that you probably unless you're working in that realm don't put to use so we never really learn the nitty-gritty of managing your own personal finances or like filing taxes and oh my god like filing taxes is such a process like i never did taxes like even though i was earning money i would I would just give it to my mom and she she would find her accountant and they would just figure it out. But I think last year I helped my mom out with filing her taxes and it was such an intense process. Like I made some spreadsheets, which I was like, oh my God, I actually learned something in business school and like calculating like what her like contributions were, like deductibles, etc. That whole process just made me really take a look back at the things we were being taught in schools and whether that actually translated in making us a more worthwhile member of society. And I realized a lot of the time, no. <laughs> like we never learn any real life skills and kind of have to figure it out with the things that are available online. And thank God there's a lot of resources. Um, Like you mentioned, a lot of YouTube channels teach things like this. But like even then, there are so many different sources you could look to and it just gets very overwhelming very quickly. Yeah, I think taxes is a huge thing that I am still very unsure of. Like I literally just use TurboTax every single year to file my taxes <laughs> and they're very easy. They literally just ask you to input like numbers and you just input it and then <laughs> magically your taxes are done. But I'm definitely not getting <laughs> the full annual return that I could be. Um, and I think that like maybe honestly the solution that we learned in wealth management class is to have your own personal finance person like you should have like a wealth manager or like an accountant to like help you with these things like professionals who can specialize in this so that you don't have to and I completely agree that if you're rich like you should definitely have that but if you're like us and you're just trying to figure things out right now like yeah it's it's very very hard to like get your head wrapped around everything and I think that like online tools like definitely help and even just having an open dialogue with your friends and just asking them what they do because I feel like that's when I start to learn when I ask my friends like oh how are they managing their money and and then you learn like things that you never would have thought about yeah exactly and I think it's the such a weird societal construct that it's like impolite to ask about money or like you should keep things hush hush i feel like that's such a dumb rule to have where i get it like sometimes like it's uncomfy to talk about like how much you earn or like that type of aggressive way to ask but i think especially between friends like Iman and i or millennials we can only help each other if we learn more about things like this right we can like negotiate with our companies about our salaries, our benefits, talk about, you know, the returns we're getting, how we can invest. And it's not like us against the institutions, but like low key guys, it's <laughs> us against the institutions. So like, please talk to your friends. Like I remember talking to Eman when we got our signed offers and we were comparing like, oh, you know, is this normal? Is this industry level for, you know, your base pay, your bonus, your benefits, etc.? And if it's not, the first thing you do is you go back to your company and ask for exactly what they should be giving you. And I think it's it's not like thick skin to ask for that because you're simply asking for what you should have. Mm-hmm, 100%. I am so thankful, honestly, that I can like talk to you about things like this because 
I feel like some people are still uncomfortable with bringing this up. And Mm -hmm. like, I think honestly, the more knowledge that we accumulate about how much other people our age who are graduating from the same school as us are getting paid, the more knowledge we have in our tool belt to like essentially like advocate for ourselves. Yeah, definitely. And I think that it is like, it's harder when you're actually in a job um, versus like when you're a new grad. Because I think when you're a new grad, like it's it's easier to like, like get that information from your peers, especially like because we're so open with each other. But when you're actually in a company and you're like getting promoted to like a higher position like I'm I'm definitely not there yet but I'm just thinking about like who I would even ask to be like oh is this pay average if this kind of information isn't publicly available in a com- in your company's database right mm-hmm. so I think like the older we get it's going to be harder to navigate that and I am interested to see like how we end up navigating that together but yeah definitely like openness is super key yeah but i'm like i don't fault people that like to remain kind of hush hush because i think even growing up in like an asian household like money was such a taboo topic like you don't talk about money because people are so afraid of seeming like they're flaunting it and especially i think as we were both in business school like the level like the discrepancy between what people were making was significant like there was a huge gap between industries or roles and so oftentimes I understand like some people felt like they didn't want to make others feel bad but it's also like just because you're making that much now doesn't mean I won't be making more in the future and doesn't mean like you can't really quantify like just because you're making more you're better than me or something like that so I urge people to always talk openly and to know that you know money once again is just a tool it's not a measurement of anything and like if we can help each other get more of it, hell yeah, power to the people, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And like, uh, I feel like I hate that our society has become such a capitalist society where like people <laughs> place so much value into a person if they make a certain amount. And like the more you make, like the more important you are or the more people like respect you and... I really don't agree with that at all. I'm just thinking like how we can change that. I don't I don't really think that there is a way right now. But <laughs> yeah, I think like this is like the most hypocritical thing ever to business students who've sold their souls to like corporations are like raging about capitalism and like, you know, as a dirty capitalist, but like low-key not really, but also kind of like I think like our eventual goal is to have everyone around us live better and like, you know, have more freedom to make choices that don't revolve around money, which is the best goal we can have. And opening up the conversation as well as like talking about it freely is like the first step. But yeah, like definitely acknowledging our privileges here because I think both of us, we came from backgrounds that were stable enough to kind of you know help us out with college um kind of support us living (laughs) wise and a lot of people don't have that and i think definitely like you said yumin the pandemic has really like shocked me and maybe it's not all about money management habits because i know people aren't living paycheck to paycheck because they want to but it's also just a lot of people are almost born on a foundation of generational wealth that they can always fall back mm-hmm. on. Yeah, 100%. Like, I think that money management, like this topic that we're talking about, is like you can only do it if you have money to manage. Yeah. 
and I am very aware of the fact that so many people just don't have enough money to like manage so living paycheck to paycheck is their only option and I know how privileged we both are so yeah I think that it's yeah it's just really shitty Yeah, and I think, I mean, like, this is, like, the reason why we started this podcast, right? To talk about uncomfy things or to, like, try to open up the conversation on topics that maybe you feel hesitant to talk about. So, I mean, if you start trying now, regardless of how small your net worth is, because, you know, we're all here. (laughs) Like, I think taking steps to understand these complex problems and the ways you can try to save and invest is super important. I guess we can, like, talk a little bit about something that a lot of millennials have issues with, and that's, like, student debt or just debt in all forms, credit card, etc. I personally don't have a lot of experience with it because I am privileged and thankful for my parents for supporting me. But, yeah, Iman, would you like to shed some light? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, like, for me, I'm also super privileged, but I did take on, like, some sort of OSAP, like, almost 30K in debt. So, but, yeah, like, I... I feel like for me, like the rule that I have is pay off your debt before you start saving. And the reason why I have that rule for myself is because your debt will only accumulate more and more interest and become bigger and bigger. And so for me, I just feel better mentally if all of it is out of my way. And so like the very first thing that I did with like all of my money after I graduated university was like pay off the debt that I had. And like, I am thankful that I don't have any more, but I think that my philosophy in just saving a lot of the money that I made throughout all my summer internships to like eventually like pay off that debt is something that like has, like, I think the philosophy paid off, like it's worked for me. So yeah, that's all I'm going to say. And I think that when it comes to like credit card debt or anything like that, like obviously try not to have it, but if you do like be aware of what your credit score is. And I use Credit Karma personally just to keep tabs on what my credit score is. It's just like a free account and um, they'll like send you notifications every month on like to check your credit score if you want. And obviously like you should try to be in like the high 600s or like if possible, even over 700 so that you can get the best mortgage rates for yourself. Like once you're ready (laughs) to buy that house. All about that house. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about the house. But I think that like having a good credit score will help you like open up some doors when you're like ready to make larger purchases or take on like larger loans. So just be aware of it. And even if you have a shitty credit score now, like there's always tools to build it up. So you can always just Google that and do that. But (laughs) (laughs) literally uh, my advice is just Google it. (laughs) But yeah, it's I think we're both in privileged positions. Yeah. And maybe to shed some light like i'm almost ashamed to say this but i did work in a financial institution for a stint and so i kind of got the back and look of you know credit cards credit scores interest etc oh my god interest it is your best friend when you're trying to save, but it also is your worst enemy when you're spending because credit cards have one of the highest interest rates ever and i think it's crazy how much people will spend and rack up their credit card and the accumulated interest that follows that like it is just absolutely insane and these these institutions are not your friends like they won't purposefully make you overspend but they 
also they're making money from interest right so there is a certain kind of conflict of interest there if you would say but definitely like i think credit cards are so important to build your credit but also like spending on a credit card is so scary like i remember getting my first credit card like as i think i entered university and just being absolutely terrified i was gonna overspend (laughs) (laughs) yeah like I feel like I check my credit card spend at least once a week. Do you have oh. the app? Oh, Eman, I check it like once a day. <laughs> like I am insane about my credit card spending because I'm just, I'm not sure if it's because I work there, but it's like that anxiety has gotten even worse because like I will over put money into my credit card to make it a negative balance, which means that they own me money just to ensure that I don't forget to pay an amount on there or whatever. And I know that's so silly, but I think it's just like such an anxiety point for me. <laughs> that's actually very interesting. Um, Yeah, like I definitely don't have that same anxiety with the credit card spending, but also like... <laughs> If I ever forget to pay by a certain deadline, like I think it's happened to me once or twice in my life, like I'll just call the credit card and they're usually very forgiving with like getting rid of that for me. Do you do that? I've never paid late on my credit card. I pay, see, as someone neurotic as I am, like that checks their credit card once a day, like I always pay immediately as that charge is like posted. Like I will immediately pay. You don't even pay once a month. You pay immediately when that charge is posted? Yes, like that's how psycho I am. Like, (laughs) Wait, I never knew that about you. That is so interesting because you know the point of using a credit card is so that you can delay payments, right? Exactly. But what is the point? Like, if I have the money, like, I will just pay it. Like, I don't, like, I'm not making huge purchases. That's a thing, too. Like, I'm just, like, buying regular stuff or, like, it's my regular utilities that are getting, like, taken out of my credit card. And I think, yes, it's necessary to build a credit score but also i think maybe it's just because i don't understand like you know these financial services as clearly as i want to so i am always hesitant to trust even if i do understand it like the inner workings of a credit card because i've been on the other side and seen how many people go into insane credit card debt and how that impacts their credit score as well as you know debt collection like that entire process i just I fear. <laughs> I fear. <laughs> I feel like after this, I'm going to be more diligent about it and like be a bit more anxious about it. <laughs> I feel like I'm a little too chill about it. I'm like, oh, we'll just pay it once a month. It's fine. A couple days late. Like not late, but like when they send you the statement, they give you like almost a month to pay it off, right? So like yeah, I will exactly. not pay it off as soon as they send me the statement. Like I'll just like, you know, wait a week and then I'll just pay it. I feel like I'm pretty chill about that. Oh, okay. See, like, I think uh, my parents are like that too. I don't know what the heck went wrong with me because, like, I literally have my notice on for both my spend tracking app and my, like, actual card app. And as soon as they're like, oh, you're spending this much from this person, as soon as that payment goes through, I'm like, okay, time to pay it off. (laughs) (laughs) I actually love that about you. Like, I feel like that is so quirky. (laughs) I've never heard anyone say that. Oh my god, that's me, quirky. (laughs) Yeah, like, I feel like what you need, Cindy, is to open a TFSA. (laughs) That was random, but I was just thinking that you just need to save some of your money, put it aside, and invest it. Yeah, 
I think so too. I am going to do that. I feel like every episode we have, it's like Yiman's like, Cindy, you need to do this. Like, get back on Hinge, open a TFSA, like, figure this out. And I'm like, yes, I agree. You know, before I become an actual working member of society, I need to get my life figured out. <laughs> and I am sure you will. I have faith in you. <laughs> okay well i mean i feel like that's the end of today's episode we kind of broke the what's it called like broke the screen on a hush hush topic i don't know maybe we didn't like maybe we think it's hush hush but like everything we talked about is pretty (laughs) generic and service level who knows who knows okay thank you for listening to two business students give very unqualified advice on managing money but hopefully This gives you an idea of why you should be talking about this with your friends and family. (laughs) Yes. And thank you for listening and follow us on Instagram if you want to join the conversation, keep tabs on when we're posting. We're at We Hate Small Talk. And please send us any feedback that you have on our episodes, either via DM or, you know, like anything like good, bad. We want to hear it. We want to get better. So yeah, hope to talk to you guys soon. Bye.